0: Yeah, great. Matt Med.
1: Thank you. Um,
2: oh, you're so far away. Um, uh. Okay, hello, I'm Matt Med. Uh, for those who don't know me, um, I was a part of this church uh, for a couple of years, and then um, the end of September last year, I left and uh, moved to a country called Latvia, Child maintenance. Can I even see it? Uh, (laughs) Bye-bye. And um, uh, basically, I believe God was was calling me there and um, going there to church plant. And um, uh, so I moved there at the start of October. And uh, I've been helping uh, one church, uh, a part of New Frontiers, this same uh, family of churches, and, um, yeah, it's been a really amazing uh, eight months. Uh, it's very hard to sum it up in in uh, five minutes. Um, if I can sum it up in, in one word, it, it would be grace. Um, I, I just want to tell you a bit about uh, grace. Um, maybe some of you here uh, have come here and, and you're not Christian, and uh, you're wondering what does that word mean? it means this, it means uh, God loves you. Um, he really, he really <laughs> loves you and it's all of his goodness and his favor uh, given to us. Um, we don't deserve it and and we can't earn it. Uh, you can't get it by reading your Bible more or by praying louder. Um, he loves you and um his grace won't won't leave you alone it will it changes you um god uh, he loves you, but he wants to work with you and and really change you and and get rid of your sin and um, bring you closer and closer to himself and um as a christian I've been a christian for years and you you feel like you really know that uh, <laughs> and you know this word and you hear it all the time and then Sometimes God just goes "Wang," and you're like, "Oh yeah, god's grace and uh the past eight months have really been like that I've got a few photos I want to try and show you a bit of what grace um looks like um so um this is the um the church that i I joined um It was about thirty people, and then uh the Holy Spirit turned up and um and we started a, an alpha course we've been running that on Sundays and as you can see um there's over 60 people every sunday um, so it's doubled the size of the church uh, most of these um people who who've come uh from non-church backgrounds um, really d- most of them didn't know anything about uh, jesus I definitely haven't heard this word grace before and um it's just amazing uh, you can my t- my table's the one in the middle there, and and most Sundays I just sit there and listen to people chatting in Latvian, uh, which I don't fully understand, but I trust that the God's at work and doing a great thing, and and it's re- it's really nice actually not to be doing so much serving and actually just watching what God's doing, and um, it's amazing, it's really uh, mind blowing, and um, yeah, thank you so much. I know many of you have been praying for us and been. Following my blog and emails and Skype chatting with me, and it's just yeah, really encouraging. And I just want to show you what that that's like. We've got some more photos as well. Um, oh, can you skip? Leave that one to last. Okay. Um, we also have this amazing youth group who meet on Wednesday nights. Um, that was about eight youth when I joined. Um, I think in this picture there's thirty-one um again this is this is god's grace um just amazing uh, what's happening there and um i just love these these guys um they're just such a great bunch and um yeah it's really uh, genuine what god's doing in them really transforming their lives and um i think we've got another photo um <laughs> we uh we like um, building together, I spend a lot of time with um with the young guys the men young men uh like on the bottom row there and uh, well there 's one girl in there she sneaked in um, <laughs> but uh so yeah, a lot of what i 'm doing is just hanging out with these guys and um they help me s- speak latvian and and uh, we eat together and read our bibles together and pray together uh, they 're so hungry for god they just like teach me teach me teach me uh, which is such a wonderful thing and um yeah like i love going to the youth meetings um i guess they're a bit like the the kind of the praise and worship things that you're doing on Thursdays i just go to meet with god <laughs> like i i don't really go for any other reason um i just know i'm going to meet with god in those times it's so powerful uh holy spirit's just really on them and in this community uh, this by the way is like um I didn't explain before sorry it's a town called Smiltener. uh it's it's a small uh, logging community there's lots of trees uh, there's only 6000 people uh, very different from london um, but if you think about it our church of 60 in a in a town of 6000 is is really um significant um okay last photo um yeah, okay. I just wanted to tell you a bit about this guy. Um this is a friend of mine, he's called Albis And uh he's twelve years old and uh he's a really, really lovely boy and um yeah, praise God for him and what's been what's been happening in his life. Um a few weeks ago as you can see he's playing guitar and he's he's been learning guitar, he's learning really fast. Uh, he's been joining in the worship team in youth and in church on Sundays, and um, which is great. And uh, he came to me a few weeks ago. He's like, Matt, Matt, do you know what's really cool? I, like, I don't know what is. And it, he shows me um, a little plectrum. They're these um, little things that you play the guitar with, um, or they're called picks. You might have seen them. And uh, he's got one, and it says, Pick Jesus, all right? Yeah, you get the joke, yeah. Okay, and, um, but on the back, he's like, um, Matt, on the back it says, uh, Romans 10:13. for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's really cool, isn't it? And I was like, well, yeah, you know, it is. Yeah, it's really cool. And he's like, yeah, but anyone uh, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And um, look, there's a reason why he's got so excited about this verse um, because it's true, and um, a- and he knows this because half of his class have called on the name of the Lord and become Christians, and um, this has really started to have uh, an impact I- in his classroom. Um, he was telling me just uh, last week that um, the behaviour in the classrooms really changed, and um, the, the, the kind of language that people are speaking, uh, the boys and the girls, really just is being redeemed, and um, it's like, wow, you know, the gospel works, uh, it's the same all over the world, it's good news, and um, wherever it goes, and I, I hope I can um, share that with you, and, and encourage you uh, where you are. Um, just keep telling people about Jesus and uh, keep praying for the lost. And um, a- and you'll see things happen uh, In when the Holy Spirit comes in power. Um, it, there's nothing you can do to stop it. <laughs> uh, you just watch it happen, and, and it's great. And, um, yeah, for me, it, it's been amazing and really encouraging because uh, the plan now for me is uh, next month I'll move to Riga, which is the... Uh, the capital of latvia um that's really where my my heart is um to plant a church there and um i just want to see god do the same thing again and um and keep doing uh, more of that keep seeing his kingdom come and, and his will uh, be done on earth as it is in heaven and um yeah i i like uh, i just uh I praise god for all of you and and for really for the support that i've had from here's just been so liberating um just knowing so many people are praying for me and um and supporting me financially and things it's been uh it's made life just uh really uh like great and i just i can't thank you enough for that and um and just to say a few things that are coming up that you can pray about Um, The start of July, we're going to have like a Riga weekend, uh, basically gathering together. uh, All the people I've been meeting in Riga and um, some people who are moving there. um, Really just to get together, seek God together and share um, kind of new frontiers, values. What should church be like? What does it mean to be a Christian? Um, How do you balance, or not balance, but how do you do word and spirit together together? and all these kind of things. And then um, I'm bringing a load of Latvians here, okay? So, um, yeah, you can cheer. And um, we're going to go to the Brighton Conference together. Um, So if any of you are coming to Brighton, come and say hello. And then um, they're going to stay in London the weekend after that. So 15th to 17th of July. Uh, If any of you have got spare space and would love to... Like show some hospitality um to the foreigner then you can do that um please get in touch with me and um and then yeah praise god from august i'm going to be i've got a part time job at, um at an international school in riga where i've been i've been working one day a week uh i'm going to be moving to uh, two two and a half days a week uh, god's really just blessed that and open up so many doors and opportunities there and um and yeah, praise God for that. I'm also l- currently looking for a flat in Riga. So um, please pray for that. And uh, yeah, just to say if any of you ever want to come visit, you're very welcome. Uh, Latvia is a really beautiful country. We've got uh, lovely beaches, freezing, freezing cold winters. <laughs> uh, so if you like snow and getting really cold in your nose, uh, then come in the winter. And, uh, and we'll look after you. All right, cheers.
0: Thanks, Matt. It's lovely to have you back with us, even uh, just for a short time. Matt, how long are you around to on this trip? Uh, I'm just under two weeks. Okay, great. So... He may have some spare time. He's probably booked up road trips and all kinds of get-togethers, but try and find him and get some time with him because he's obviously a massive blessing. All right, are you ready for preacher number two? I didn't mean that horribly. I meant that in the best possible way. Sorry, that wasn't a, there wasn't anything in that. I was genuinely just... Um, okay, I came out and you think, "Oh, well, that could have sounded a certain way and it didn't, wasn't meant in that way. So. Okay, Sermon on the Mount. Uh, let's pray. Father, please uh, continue to help us as we look, go through this series. Uh, thank you for what it's accomplished up to this point in our hearts. Thank you for the testimonies. We pray let it keep doing, doing what it does, Lord. Let your word keep doing what it does, we pray, bringing transformation, incredible, miraculous things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're looking at what is known as the Beatitudes, and uh, the word Beatitude means a state of supreme happiness, and um which is why it's which is why historically it's been called the beatitudes because jesus is saying blessed are and blessed means supremely happy supremely happy are those that and we've been going through this list so blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted blessed are the meek Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now I want to ask you a question. I want to ask, what's been happening in your heart over the last four weeks or so? What's been happening in you as we've been looking at these Beatitudes? Maybe you've been hurt at some point. Well, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the famous preacher, says this. If I feel that though these things do search and hurt me, nevertheless, that they are essential and good for me. If I feel it's good for me to be humbled and that it's a good thing for me to be held face to face with this mirror, which not only shows me what I am, but what I am in the light of God's pattern for the Christian man then I have a right to be hopeful about my state and condition. A man who is truly Christian, as we have already seen, never objects to being humbled. So if you felt hurt and humbled, but you thought to yourself, hit me again. Then that feeling where you think, oh, hit me again. Good. It's a good sign. It's a sign that you're hearing the thing and the Spirit of God is using the, the words of Christ to deal with you. And yet there's something in you that says, and again, it means that the the Spirit of God indwells you and you want to become more like Jesus. Or maybe you felt that behind all the activity in some way, um, you felt, oh, gosh, I'm a very active, busy Christian, but this is really getting to the nub of stuff. Well, the famous preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, says this. The Christian gospel places all its primary emphasis upon being rather than doing. The gospel puts a greater weight upon our attitude than upon our actions. In the first instance, its main stress is on what you and I essentially are rather than on what we do. That is why these Beatitudes are so searching. They tell us, in effect, that as we live our ordinary lives, we are declaring all the time exactly what we are. These Beatitudes get to the heart, not so much of what we do, but who we are. And we can hide behind activity, can't we? And feel to ourselves, well, look, I'm doing, I'm doing this, this, and this, so I must be okay. And God says, yeah, but who are you? Who are you? That's the biggest deal before God. Or maybe you simply try your best and you're feeling, you're realizing, oh, golly, my best isn't good enough. Maybe you've actually, through these, you've been, you felt exposed in some way that you've been, putting on a show in some way, maybe not even intentionally, but you've just been trying to plaster on top of who you really are, Christian stuff. And through these, this series, it's been getting stripped away. Well, listen to what the famous preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, says. He says it much better than me, so I'll just keep preaching, reading him. He says this, I must not think of myself as a natural man who is controlling his attitude and trying to be Christian in various ways. No, his spirit controls me at the very center of my life controls the very spring of my being, the source of my every activity. The Christian faith is not something on the surface of a man's life. It's not merely a coating or veneer. No, it is something that has been happening in the very center of his personality. To come to know Christ isn't something that just gets laid on top of who you are, like as if, you know, you're kind of nasty and corrupt, but we just put this white paint on top and make it look okay. In fact, that's what the Pharisees did. And Jesus said, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look great from the outside, but underneath is just death. Jesus said, I've come to do something very different from that, to bring purity into the heart of who you are by making you born again, by bringing new life by the Spirit. We should be being provoked and challenged and yet strangely comforted as we go through this list. Because this list is not a list of commands, remember? They're congratulations. He's saying, if this is you, congratulations. The Spirit of God's at work in you. I- even if you're, you know I'm not fully there, but I can see that in me. Congratulations. God is at work in you. These things are not merely natural things. This week... Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. What does that word mean? It really means compassionate. Blessed are the compassionate, for they shall receive compassion. I want us to look for a few minutes, so what does it mean, really? Okay, we've got a great word, compassion, but what does it mean? Well, let's look at what it doesn't mean. That's often the best way of understanding what a word means. What does it mean to be merciful? What does it mean to be compassionate? And is this you? Because it, if it's you, if you see this in you, the Holy Spirit is at work in you. If you see this in you, God is at work in you. Which brings me on to the first point of what it isn't. It's not just a natural temperament thing. You know, that you're just kind of one. I'm just one of those people. I'm just more compassionate than other people. I'm softer. Isn't it amazing the array of temperaments there are in the human race? Isn't it? It's incredible. It's incredible. Naturally speaking, people are born with very, very different temperaments. Are you naturally a soft touch or hard-nosed? In this room, there will be a spectrum. Some of you here, you're just softies. You can't say no. You try and yes comes out. You're just naturally soft. The slightest thing and you're filling up. Someone says something and it just, it goes right into the core of who you are. It's naturally kind of the temperament that you have. Others of you are very different from that. You'll gladly say no. I won't think anything of it. And perhaps sometimes you won't even realize that the way you come across is kind of slightly abrasive, slightly maybe a bit business-like. You just don't even realize what this job, a job to be done. You're more that hard-nosed way. That is not what we're talking about when it comes to mercy. That's natural temperament. It's God-given, but no sign of the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit one way or the other. Okay? It's not that... You mustn't, you must, we must be able to differentiate between what God gives us naturally, just through His grace, and what is a work of the Holy Spirit. What is a sign? Someone's been born again. So it's not that. Neither is it being easygoing. Someone who's merciful, they're easy to go. They let everything go. Someone does something terrible and they say, doesn't matter. It'll be all right. That's not what it means to be merciful. I've got two more Lloyd Jones quotes for the whole sermon. This is one of them. On, is, is, is merciful being easy going? Listen to him. This is great. It does not mean we should be easy going, as we put it. There are so many people today who think that being merciful means to be easy going, not to see things or if we do see them, to pretend we haven't. That, of course, is a particular danger in an age like this, which does not believe in law or discipline, and in a sense does not believe in justice or righteousness. The idea today is that man should be absolutely free-minded, that he has the right to do just what he likes. The merciful person many people think is one who smiles at transgression and law-breaking. He says, what does it matter? Let's carry on. He is a flabby kind of person. Easy going, easy to get on with, to whom it does not matter whether laws are broken or not, who is not concerned about keeping them. With this person, there's no loving confrontation. The person never dares to say, Do you know what? I think the way you're doing that is really unhelpful. I don't do that. Everything gets swept under the carpet. Everything is like, Wow, well, it'll pan out, it'll be fine, it'll be okay. Lord John says they're flabby. Spiritually, there's a flabbiness there. It's not merciful because God isn't like that. And God is rich in mercy. When was the last time God said, sin, it's all right, don't worry. Get a pan out. If that's your understanding of how God deals with sin, you've really not understood God. It's the furthest thing. The Bible says that sin arouses his fury. He hates it. Those who are easygoing don't hate anything. And because they don't hate anything, they don't love anything. They're just kind of cool about everything. And that's held up in our generation as something really, oh, that's, that's, you go for that. Just get to the point where you just kind of go with the flow, bro. Just chill. Just chill. Just chill. And you could, that's just like Jesus, isn't it? He's my homeboy. He's no one's homeboy. He's the Lord. So don't wear that T-shirt unless you can prove to me from Scripture that he's your homeboy. Sorry. Little niggle there coming through. Don't want to preach law in this church, so I shouldn't have said that. Wear what t-shirt you like. Just make sure you agree with what it says. You can back out from the Bible. Okay! Also, it's not true that Jesus can make you a good dancer. I've seen that on a t-shirt, too. It's just not true. Lots of Christians really can't dance, and they're very godly. I just want to say that. Uh, So please, don't fall for that one. It's simply not true. Jesus can make you dance like something or the other. What is it? Like a really cool word at the end. I don't know any cool words, I don't know. Jesus can make you dance like a dude or something. And he he really really doesn't. I'm sure he could, but it's not what he's about. Okay, right. That wasn't planned. Okay, um, the third thing that merciful isn't isn't what I would describe as either. If I was talking about it in a kind of a spiritual language, I would call it unsanctified mercy. But when you think, of well, what does that mean? I would describe it as worldly pity. So what I mean is this, is that the Bible, for example, differentiates between worldly sorrow and repentance. It says that worldly sorrow, you just feel bad. You feel bad about everything. You feel bad about who you are and all of that. But it doesn't. there's actually no change. Yeah? You just feel bad, but you stay the same. The Bible says that leads to death. Whereas it says godly sorrow leads to repentance and life without, uh, uh, without regret. Yeah? So there's these things that sometimes they look a bit Christian. Oh, that person feels bad about something they, bad that they, that they did. Maybe God's at work there. Well, maybe, but maybe not. Maybe they just feel bad. But there's no repentance. They don't hate the sin. They just feel bad. Well, in the same way, you can have this kind of worldly pity, but it's not mercy. Um, it's like when you, how can I describe, what does worldly pity look like? It's like when someone comes across someone who's made a mess of their life or whatever, and, 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 and there's, a, there's, a, there's a sense of pity and compassion, but it kind of stays there. And what, what they do is or, or they just kind of remove all responsibility from that person and it's, it's all about the external factors. Oh, this has gone wrong, that's gone wrong, they really couldn't help it. And it really just sidelines personal responsibility and, and very often can lead to some really, really unhelpful actions and unhelpful uh, advice and uh, or the help that's brought. It just enhances that person's trouble. So for example, you know, you've got someone who uh, hasn't, worked. Worked. They just haven't worked. They haven't looked for work. They haven't got work. And, so, and someone just gives them lots of money continually and lots of food continually. And, and what it does is it entrenches them in their laziness. I said, well, I've just got a, I've got a compassionate heart. You know, so that's why I did that. It's not compassionate. It isn't. I'll show you from Scripture. The Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10 says, If a man will not work, then he will not eat. That's the mercy of God. Why? Because God wants to deliver that man from laziness. What would mercy look like? Mercy would look like friendship, love, and someone saying, let, let's, let me help you find work. Let me help you find work. It would look like, while we're looking for work, Sure, come round. Let's let's see. Let me make you lunch. Let me care about you. But we're gonna I'm gonna help you out of this. That's mercy. Do you understand you understand the difference I'm getting at there? Can you see that? It's a bit of a tightrope, you gotta get it. It's just like it's just pity. I feel sorry for them and I'll just kind of keep doing stuff for them, but it just exacerbates. It just it's like a vacuum that can never be filled, and they just keep keep taking that. And it, it's not it becomes a point where it's really unhelpful. You're not helping them. So these things aren't mercy. So what is mercy? Well, mercy differs from grace in a sense. Grace is about just viewing sinners favorably. People like us who sin against God, God looks on us with favor. That's grace. Mercy is God looks at sinners who are caught in the pain and affliction of sin, either that they've committed or that's been committed against them. God sees them in the pain of that and brings relief. It's about bringing relief to the consequences of sin. That's what mercy is. And that's what what Jesus is blessed are those who bring relief from those who are in the pain and the consequences of sin. For they shall receive mercy. It's about a compassionate attitude to those caught in pain. It's a sense of pity and then an action that follows that is a beautiful action. You see, God understands people. God understands the predicament of the human situation. He understands that none of us are just perpetrators of sin and none of us are just victims. He understands we are all both. We all sin, say crazy things, do crazy things, don't do good things, and we all are the victims of others doing that and so we are perpetrators and victims and God deals with us as perpetrators and victims and that's what the gospel does the gospel takes the whole picture into account and God meets us there it's not just the one it's not just the other it's both and the gospel covers that he loves us doesn't he he loves us and so he meets us in our sin and he meets us in our pain. He comes towards us. He doesn't say come. He comes towards us and so he meets us right where we are. That's the love of God. He, 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 the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. God says, right, I'm coming in and I'm going to walk among you and touch you. I'm going to touch the leper. I'm going to touch the dead body in the coffin and raise it up. There's this God saying, it's the love of God. He meets us right where we are. He brings relief. He brings restoration. And that, you see, is part. That is, Oh, there it is. It's the mercy of God. But then what? He then says, I'm calling you now to change. Repent for the kingdom is at hand. That was Jesus' message. What does repent mean? Change the way you think. Change. He loves you too much. Not to call you to change. And that is the love of God. Which is why sometimes the term unconditional love can be unhelpful. Not that it's not true, but there's more to God's love than that. Because if I say to you, God loves you unconditionally, then I'm saying something true, but I'm not saying enough. What I'm saying is this, God will receive you as you are in Christ. Yes, he will. But God's love is so much more strong and jealous for you that he won't let you stay as you are. So he receives you as you are, but he determines, I will make you like Jesus. Because the way you are is only getting you into big trouble. Do you see that? It's the strength of God's love. It's much more potent than merely unconditional. It's way beyond that. It's I'm committed to changing you. Why? Because I love you. And I want what is best for you. And I made you to bring me glory. And you will bring me glory when you bear my image again. Which is what you were made for. That's the gospel. That's the love of God. That's the mercy of God. The cross isn't just about forgiveness and cleansing and healing. It's about a new start. It's about power for change. It's about transformation. Those things coming together, that's the gospel. Through the the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, so the believer is to be marked with the same gospel spirit. Someone who's truly a believer, the same thing marks them as marks their God, this mercy. The believer, the one who has God's heart, should bring incredible relief and help into dire situations. Okay? I say there's a situation, that's dire there. I'm going to meet that. I'm going to push forward into that and bring some relief there. And where appropriate, I'm going to call for change as well. In systems, in governments, in individuals, I'm going to call for change. That's mercy. Blessed are the merciful. Now, this is particularly difficult if you've been the injured party in a situation. So you can see someone this hurts someone else and you go and you bring relief and change. But when someone actually begins to offend or hurt or injure you, then that is a lot harder, isn't it? It's a whole lot harder. Part of mercy is, of course, forgiveness. Part of mercy is that when someone injures you, you don't have a legal approach in the sense, you don't have that approach of doing all you can to make them pay. That's a vengeful spirit. And here's the thing Christians, very often, I've observed, have and justify a vengeful spirit in the name of justice. And it's very, very tricky. And it's very, very subtle. And you're looking on thinking, hmm, sounds quite spiritual. But it doesn't look like a gospel spirit to me. You can find it in something as simple as going out for a meal with someone when the service isn't that good or the food isn't that good. And you find that the person you're with can press for all they now deserve rather than having a compassionate, Spirit. Now, see, when you get into this, alarm bells start ringing because people start thinking, are you calling, does God call us to be a doormat? No, a doormat lives out of fear. A Christian lives out of love. And so, for example, what I would suggest is this. is you take this case example, imagine you go to a restaurant and the service isn't great or the food isn't amazing. Say something but say it in a spirit of mercy. Don't begin to demand this, that, and the other and get into a scuffle over what you what is now your right. Say something, suggest some things, and have a gracious, merciful attitude. Because the whole time, you see, that waiter could have been going around and listening to you. Maybe you're talking about Jesus over Denny. Oh, these guys are Christians. And suddenly something's not quite perfect, And the person's pressing for the full thing in a kind of a slightly lifted up kind of attitude. And suddenly all the meekness is gone and there's no more mercy. You've given off the wrong aroma. Do you understand what I'm saying now? I I can tell by the... Some silences are very loud. This is a loud silence I'm hearing as I'm talking now. You recognize different silences as a preacher? This is a really loud one. And um, uh, we maybe do some questions afterwards. But I want you to ask yourself, do I live with a merciful... Am I pressing for all that I deserve in the name of justice? But really, it's actually coming out of a something lifted up in your spirit about it. Not seeing yourself as somehow different from people that make mistakes that hurt you. So let's imagine your friends let you down. You're let down by your friends and you expected more of them. Or even you feel slightly stabbed in the back or slightly betrayed. How do you approach that? Do you confront? Yes. How? In the spirit of mercy. What does that mean? It means that you go humbly. It means that you don't begin to see them as different from you. I wouldn't do a thing like that. And you begin to separate and create categories. If they're like that, I'm like this. We're all in the same boat, folks. It's really important. And it's like a judgmental thing comes in rather than a merciful thing. Just living in the spirit of mercy. Of compassion, of understanding—you're just like me, and you struggle with stuff. And I might struggle with something different, but I struggle with stuff too. And so I'm going to give you—I want to give you grace, I want to give you mercy, I want to give you room to grow. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I talk to you. I want to give you an environment to grow and flourish. I don't want to—I don't want to be kind of. Uh, by the way, I'm speaking and coming across to you, uh, creating an environment of it's just kind of harshness and tightness. I want you to feel feel the love. And the mercies I speak with you. Do You understand the thing here? So it's about what spirit you live in. Looking to help. Can I help you with this in some way? Genuinely. Any questions on that before we finish? I've got, the, there's another bit. But I just, I'm here in the silence, so I just want to make sure we just get clarity on what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. It could just be you're convicted, or it could be you're confused, Seb. Hmm. Yes. 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 I think here's the thing. So the question was, what about if you're not the injured party? What about working for justice? Then justice is in the heart of God. Just ju- justice is central to the heart of God. Justice is brilliant. Here's my point. Very often I will find. Here's the thing. Um, compare the anger you feel when you get a parking ticket to the anger you feel when someone else does. Now, I'm I'm sure you may feel, you know, anger both ways, but it's a different kind of anger. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or is it just me? Okay. Maybe it's just me. Okay. If I get a parking ticket, I feel really angry. Okay, I've got a car, but I used to You'd be like, oh, no. Yeah. And I could really push for, I'm suddenly very motivated for justice. Suddenly. When someone else does, I think, oh, gutted. And it, but it's gone. And th- often the way of knowing whether you feel righteous anger or selfish anger is asking who's the injured party. Because if it's not you, it's probably righteous anger. Yeah? And so then you, then there's a real sense in you. You can act with a real liberty of conscience because you know your motives are pure. And you can push pushing for justice is fine. It's about having a, a legal spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where you're... Where you're what you're just trying to do really, what, the way you're going about things, you're alienating people, you're, built, you're creating walls instead of building bridges. You know, it's just got that, that, that kind of abrasive feel about it, which basically, if you were to see yourself on camera, you'd think, flip, that person doesn't look like they've just received mercy. That person looks tight, screwed up, haughty. Uh, uh, you know, there's nothing winsome about the person. There's nothing relational, there's nothing loving, there's nothing, none of that's coming through. That's all stopped and they're just hammering on about something. That is not to the glory of God. It really isn't. Especially when you, when, you've, all I was, when it's you that feel that you've been wronged. It's just so much harder. And so I would say, take, if it's you, take time to think about your response. Speak to some people. Let your blood cool down. It's very important. Any more questions on this? I'm just going to crack on now. Okay. Blessed are the merciful for, because they will receive mercy. What is Jesus saying here? Because it kind of seems a bit strange. It's at face value, it seems like salvation starts with us. Once you're merciful, then God will be merciful to you. Yeah? Once you start giving grace and that, then you've got to watch you for a bit. If you do it consistently, okay, God will forgive you. Is that the gospel? That is. That flies in the face of the gospel. What that looks like is is that salvation starts with us and that we earn it. Work hard enough, get God's attention with the way you're acting mercifully, and then God will give you mercy. I mean, that flies in the face of everything. It totally undermines the cross. If that's the case, why would Jesus be crucified? If, If we just kind of be merciful enough, then, you know, it'll be fine. It's crazy. It flies and it undermines everything that is taught throughout Scripture about Salvation It undermines the uniqueness of Christianity, the message of grace that Matt was talking about. That God loves us because he loves us and he comes to get us and rescues us and transforms us. So why, why is it in that order? What did Jesus mean? Well, remember, the Beatitudes are not commands. They are congratulations. They're descriptions. There's a reason in the first place that someone is merciful. Something's happened to make that person merciful. Firstly, what's happened is this. They've become poor in spirit. They've realized they've got nothing to commend them to God. They've come to the end of themselves. Then after that, they've mourned over their sin. They've seen themselves what they are. They've seen the corruption. They've seen the self-righteousness. They've seen the arrogance. They've seen the lack of compassion. They've seen themselves what they are. Sinful, fallen, corrupt, lost, and they mourn over their sin. And then through that comes this meekness where they're no longer the center of their universe, the center of their world. They realize that they are, uh, they are to center on the one who is central. They've been, remo- they've been dethroned in that sense. This meekness has come. And then out of that has come this desire, this longing for God's righteousness, for God's own righteousness in their lives and in the lives of those around them. These are the things that have happened. These are the things that have that has happened to this person. They've been ruined. They've been killed and made alive. No more delusions. They've seen themselves. They're not surprised by the sin anymore. They recognize now their need for mercy. They've cried out, God, I need mercy. It's God's mercy on them through Christ that has awoken this mercy in them. It's the result of God's grace and mercy that they have become merciful. They're now an object of mercy. So if they're an object of mercy, how can they hold mercy back? How can I not relate to that person in the spirit of mercy when I'm living under the waterfall of God's mercy? How can I? And so a cycle of mercy begins. God brings mercy at conversion. I live out, I receive and live out that I'm merciful to others. And on the day when I stand before the Lord, I receive mercy. You understand? It's a cycle of mercy. Listen to the last Lloyd-Jones quote. This one will kill you. I am only truly forgiven when I am truly repentant. To be truly repentant means that I realize I deserve nothing but punishment. And that if I am forgiven, it is to be attributed entirely to the love of God and to his mercy and grace and to nothing else at all. But I go further, it means this. If I'm truly repentant and realize my position before God and realize that I'm only forgiven in that way, then of necessity I shall forgive those who trespass against me. We proclaim therefore whether we have received forgiveness or not, By whether we forgive or not. Uh, If I am forgiven, I shall forgive. If I am forgiven, I shall forgive. If I am a Christian, I will show mercy. If I hold mercy and forgiveness back, I have to question the very foundation of whether or not I'm a believer. Because to hold mercy and forgiveness back and call myself a believer on the grounds that salvation is by grace, I'm in danger of taking something called grace and making it something called cheap grace, not gospel grace, which comes at an incredible cost to the Lord Jesus. If I've seen the blood spilling from his hands and feet and his side, for me, if I've seen the crown of thorns in his head, for me, if I've seen him spat on, mocked, ridiculed, betrayed, for me, for my sin, that my sin put him there and his love for me drove him there. If I've seen that, how can I possibly withhold forgiveness from others? If I do hold it back, I haven't seen it. I haven't really seen it. If you're refusing to forgive someone here today, I want to ask you a question. Have you been forgiven? If you're very, very easily offended today, if you're someone, you know, you're just little, a look or a comment or this or that, and you're stewing on it, holding on to it, I want to ask you, where does the gospel come into your life? Where? Where where does the gospel, what what say, what say does the gospel have in your spirit? If you're quick to judge, put others in a different category from yourself. Place yourself in a different, better category. I want to ask you, do you understand the gospel? Do you understand this? It's vital that you wrestle with this. Meditate on God's mercy to you. Meditate on the gospel. Because I tell you this, our church, this church will not succeed by programs and by doing more. It will succeed by transformed people. That's the reality of it. It will not succeed by doing impressive things. It will succeed by being impressive as people, not in a worldly sense, but in a godly sense. It's not so much what we do, but how we do it. That's the big deal, because how we do it comes out of who we are. We can't short circuit this. You can't, because the hard work of becoming Christ-like, of bringing your heart before God, of letting Him humble you, and all of that, which is all grace. But it does require a, a cooperating with God, a walking with Him, a letting Him humble you, a facing facing. Your heart. Facing the issues in your heart. You can't short-circuit and just be busy. I Think you'll bear fruit. Because it's not business that makes fruitfulness. It's abiding in Christ. Beware and over-focus on achievement. On activity. On stuff. At the expense of transformation. God's priority is for who you become. That you become like Jesus. If gospel communities. If CAP If the homeless run, if Sunday meetings, if prayer meetings, if praise and prayer nights are not working towards that, they're a waste of time. Let's go for transformation. Let's go for the presence of God. (laughs) Let's go for true gospel living. Let's face things. Some of you, Spirit of God is just speaking to me now, you need to face things. And you haven't got to go digging around for what they are. The Holy Spirit is showing you what they are. For some of you, it's relationship breakdown. You've got resentment in your heart towards people, and you're just not... You're trying everything except going to them and speaking to them as Jesus says you must. And it's not working. Surprise, surprise. It is... um, For a church to be able to genuinely do well in its culture, in its context, what it must do is overcome the particular cultural strongholds in the setting where it is. What, are, what is one of the biggest cultural strongholds in the UK is that we do not do confrontation well. We either avoid it 80% of the time or we scream at each other 20% of the time. We don't lovingly, gently, humbly go to the person and bring the thing up. Or we tried it once and we got burned, so we don't do it again. It's We've got to do it. So I won't embarrass the person, but someone on Friday morning brought something up that I'd said a few months ago in a car. Had no idea. It caused the fence. It caused hurt, And they'd been so tempted not to say anything because to them it just was seemed such a silly thing. And, you know, they they, they, they did it so well. It was, uh, I thought, this is... Wow, you just think this. This I went away thinking, what a great church through that one instance where they just brought it up humbly, well, and I was able to just say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And then we were able to talk it through. What was it that was particularly offensive? Because I just I don't quite. I've said sorry first. I've hurt you. I'm sorry. But now, what? Tell me, because I want to understand it. We've talked it through, and I. I oh, got it. I get it. That, yes, that was unhelpful. Great. I'll learn from that. Whoa. You grow, then not you? They grew. I grew. This is a fantastic. That's church. That's, that's beautiful. Wonderful. Wonderful. There's no little things niggling now. there, you know, and this is just great. A merciful community. A community of mercy, extending grace and peace to one another, but not swimming things under the carpet, just being flabby, saying, no, we need to address this, we need to work on this. Let's face things, guys. Quick list of where God's shown mercy on me, where he met me in my pain and brought deliverance. I was terrified of commitment. Terrified of commitment, responsibility. Thought of getting married, having kids and things like that. God, God met me there. and transformed my thinking. I was terrified of men. Really comfortable around women, um, brought up in quite a feminine atmosphere, comfortable around women, around guys, didn't know what to say, didn't know what to do. Uh, you know, still work in progress, but God's brought a load of mercy there and a load of transformation there. Terrified of people in authority, uh, especially pastors. It's so ironic, the purposes of God, isn't it? But just would physically freeze up or find myself adopting a kind of defensive, argumentative position. God's had mercy on me there. Um, which is great, because otherwise I'd be freezing up every time I looked in the mirror. <laughs> uh, t- t- terrified of getting cancer or getting AIDS, real big one, gripped by that, looking for lumps and stuff like that, broke broken, brought mercy there. Obsessed with personal appearance, you can see that's no longer a problem. <laughs> uh, it- enslaved, enslaved, every car window, every shop, every, embarrassing Just God met me in that place of futility and had mercy. Uh, Socially reliant on alcohol. Um, Not the guy who had the bottle next to my bed, but in a social setting, reliant on that. God had mercy in there and just liberated me. Gripped by sexual lust and shame. Uh, Just, you know, knew it was terrible. Just felt utterly helpless and trapped in the shame of it. And uh, God's just, God's had just mercy there and brought just total freedom there. Bitter towards my parents. Pain, resentment. God, have mercy there. Just have mercy. has brought so much healing there and he's still bringing some. Argumentative and proud. Wouldn't let things go. Had to have the last word. God's having real mercy there. Just teaching me. Just tenderness. and Paranoid. You know, oh, well they're laughing. What's it about me? You know, all that nonsense. Crap. God, have mercy. Liberating me. Vindictive say terrible things to people so that that person would laugh and I would feel popular. Horrific, self-obsessed, self-centered. God's have mercy. Liberated me from that. God has mercy. (laughs) (laughs) This is real. He does it. Not just verses you quote. As you walk with Him, He does it. There's a long way to go. There's a long way to go, but God is at work in me, in you, in us. This is what the gospel does. This is what the gospel does. We're going to break the bread we're going to drink the wine. Some of you are going to face some stuff. Please do. Please do. That's the, God is courageous. He wants to make us courageous and help us in that. I spoke to a guy the other day. so said, I had to confront someone. I was shaking when I did it. And I said to them, look, I'm shaking. Beautiful. Wow, that's, that person knows the grace of God. What transparency. See that? It's incredible, isn't it? Think, wow. Here it is. Those walls coming down. I tell you, that. We'll be in an environment where the Spirit of God can move. Kingdom can go forward. And we really are different. I want to just say, if you do not know the Lord Jesus, He wants to have mercy on you. (laughs) And make you, He wants to meet you in your pain and bring relief. He wants to meet you in your sadness and loneliness and bring comfort and His presence. And He wants to call you into transformation and change. All of it's based on His broken body and His shed blood. He's done it all. It is finished. He cried. And he meant it, and it is finished, and he rose from the dead. Hallelujah. And he lives today. Ever interceding, praying for us. What a saviour. Isn't he incredible? Should we stand? Let's, let's do church during this time as well. Let's use gift to contribute. Bread and wine, pray with one another confess our sins to one another all the stuff let's really mix it up again if you want space come and use the space let's not create any man-made kind of rules or strange little things that keep god from moving let's flow in the holy spirit because where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom hallelujah lord let your freedom pour out in this place i pray do amazing things in us through us among us we love you, lord give you all the glory honor you Come and do great things with us. Lord, I pray really free some people up here today. In Jesus' name, we just pray. People that are really locked in, wrong, horrible ways of thinking, really horrible. We just pray, break it off. We just proclaim the the, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Declare he is Lord in this place and in the church. Nothing can stop him.
1: Give us soft hearts, Lord, to walk with you and cooperate with you. In Jesus' name. Um, I just felt God saying that. Um, he showed me a picture of almost like God doing surgery like a like an m- amazing doctor and saying that he's been doing real surgery um, to some people that have been listening today and they feel like they've just really been exposed and their heart's exposed. And um, God is the best surgeon and um, he knows how to fix anything. And uh, he's certainly one who can transform hearts. And I just uh, felt God saying that, please don't leave today. Um, If you've been listening to Steph and you really feel that, you know, you get those times sometimes and you just feel that the word is for you and it feels like you're the only one in the room and the words just really hit you really hard. Um, If that's you, then please don't leave today um, in that place. Please um, firstly come and meet with God now and thank God for his mercy and grace. But also, if you like prayer about anything that God's just really pinpointed, then please, um, we'll find some time now to um, come and pray with you. So I would just encourage you if you felt the finger of God just on you today, you felt this word's really hit you hard, then do something about it today and, and please don't go because God would really like to uh do some work on your heart.